0: Kiss Army, welcome to the Kiss FAQ podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a kiss-related podcast by
1: the board for the board.
2: We hope that you enjoy.
0: Welcome to episode 170 of the Kiss FAQ podcast. I'm your host Julian Gill, and I am joined by the usual gang, Helani. St. Louis Gus, 69th Blizzard Ken, and Marcus Almighty Mark, gentlemen, good to see you again. Thank you for giving us your time to put a podcast together. It's appreciated by me and hopefully by all of our listeners, and especially Mister Thumbs Down. <laughs>
3: That's right. Whoever that is.
0: Every week, nearly <laughs> like clockwork. He is
2: not happy with us.
0: He does not like it. I think it's personal. We are sideways with that guy. Yeah. All right. Since we're not ever going to make friends with him, that's perfectly all right. Let me just uh, turn off my Dropbox so it doesn't start sinking in the middle of trying to record. Um, it's the little things. Yeah. Today's episode, we've uh, thrown a couple of extra episodes out last in the last week. Uh, Daniel came to visit and uh, have a drink or six. Um, that was... Uh, that was a trip daniel i i do like it when we get you on the show but uh that was absolutely wild today though we're going to talk about something a little bit more topical and that is it's the 40th anniversary of double platinum mm-hmm. i don't even have a lp left anymore i um, i think i unloaded all my vinyl copies so ken which one's that that you have such a standard or is that out, out of the Kiss,
3: kisteria box this is the uh well i have that too but this is my original one that i bought this is the second kiss album i ever bought first was live too this was the second one i still have this one
2: is that I the had, one with the, with the platinum certificate made out to you
3: yes yeah, so i wrote my yes. name on the. <laughs> i also did that for the uh kiss army card i did yes. that too back in 78 but uh yeah there it is but um yeah this is the album the, the same album that i bought back in 78 and I have, of course, who knows, numerous reissues and and whatnot of it, too.
0: Yeah, so why don't you get us started on, you know, the discussion is going to just be uh, different aspects of this album. You know, start with your personal history. What led you to get that? Was it simply that it was the next mm-hmm. release that came after Alive, too? And you're like, ooh, shiny thing, buy it, KISS logo, got to <laughs> yeah.
3: have it. Yeah, so, yeah, I just got into KISS in uh late, 77 when Alive 2 came out and um, you know it was the next for me it was the next logical step to discovering their you know their back catalog of what happened before Alive 2 um, and from then you know from this point you know it was like a great sense like a great sense I guess you call it right um, even though they're not necessarily hits <laughs> you know there's the like the best of right
0: yeah because that, um, that intro to rock bottom sure was a chart burner wouldn't it had a couple of bullets oh, on it
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so um, it helped me go back and start then picking what albums I'm, I was going to buy next out of the first you know uh, six uh, uh, studio albums so it was you yeah, know it's a good starting point
0: And I guess you were lucky with uh, Alive 2 being your first album. There wasn't a tremendous amount of crossover between the two. I mean, yeah, there was, you know, what, four songs from Destroyer, four from Rock and Roll Over on it, but uh, there was a good chunk of stuff off the first three albums that would have been completely new that hadn't been on Alive 2. So uh, a good starting point. Mark, what about you? What was the first time or when did you first encounter Double Platinum and what was the version that you purchased?
1: Um, Well, the first time I ever encountered it was when I was living in the apartment buildings back in the younger times, and um, my older sister, who turns up a lot in these kind of stories because she's much older than me and she's the one who got me into KISS to start with, but went down to see her friends. He was babysitting me. Both my parents were working back at those days, and uh, she would drag me over to her friend's house and couple of the guys that they knew came over and they had they had this like in their apartment right they had them on the wall they had a copy on the wall that they would pin up on there and and then they would they, one of the guys was the one actually who clued me in on the whole thing of when he came up to me and said hey kid if you get a piece of paper and if you put it on top of the the faces you can like you know yeah. take a pencil and rub it and you can you can get a picture of their faces and i was like oh wow really you know like i was like a young kid right Just so they look like i would sit there with my pencil and there and it would, it would keep me occupied i think that was their plan mm-hmm. to keep me occupied while my sister and them were doing their thing right so um that was when i really first encountered it and they would play that stuff all the time like you would hear it all the time on the in their apartment and they were like a floor below us so you, you would hear Kiss a lot. And uh, when I ended up getting it was uh, on CD when the 97 remasters came out. That was the first time I actually owned it. So it was this version, actually, mm-hmm. is the is the first time I actually owned my own copy of it. And then I bought the vinyl when I started collecting my vinyl again. I never had the vinyl back in the day. I had Alive and all those other ones, but I never really got this because, funny enough, here in Canada, it's not too easy to find this album Especially where I am around, I mean, now it is, but back, back in the earlier times, I, I never recall seeing it anywhere around.
0: Lonnie, as a, as a, I guess we have to call you a younger fan. When did you first run into this one and uh, kind of? You know, you're you're Greg at the ears, so there we are. It's saying, good, yeah, I know. <laughs> one of the younger fans. This
2: this, this episode younger. is just to show everyone why I always wear a hat. So. <laughs> um it's getting harder to call me a younger fan all the time so when i i got double platinum fairly early on in my fandom we had my brother and i we had destroyer we had creatures on audio cassette and we had uh and we had smashes thrashes and hits we got smashes thrashes and hits on cassette for christmas one year and then shortly after that we uh we we got love gum so we had we had a, a good sample but shortly after that, we transitioned to CDs, and I think Double Platinum was the first Kiss album I got on CD. Like right, like, like that Christmas, I think I got a CD player, and I got. We'll tell you the, the the time frame. I got Poison's Flesh and Blood on CD that Christmas,
1: so and I,
2: I and I also got <laughs> Double Platinum that Christmas.
1: That was my so, first one.
2: At least, at least you was, had one, at least my, you had one good present. <laughs> exactly. I, I I don't think I have one of them anymore. So, I, uh, so double platinum was was cool because, and I remember going to the record store, um, and and looking at the track listings. I'm like, oh, okay, I know Deuce. That's on Smashers and Hits, and and I know Do You Love Me? That's on Destroyer. Um, so I knew a decent chunk of the songs from the sampling of Kiss that. I had between my brother and I had between each other. So it but it was one that was on my but obviously if I got it for Christmas, it was it was one that was on my list because I knew some of the songs and I, you know, I wanted to learn the rest of them because it was a it was the greatest hits. And what do you do when you're trying to discover a band? That's what you did, especially in that time frame, is you bought the greatest hits to see what you liked, what you didn't like. Oh, is this worth exploring and getting more of just their album releases? Because if I don't like the greatest hits, why am I gonna go spend money on a regular album? So um so I had you know the the unremastered version of of Devil Platinum and it was great. So like those songs, especially those versions, are the ones that I really related to for a long time because like like Firehouse, that was my first time owning the song Firehouse. I didn't have the copy off the of live, I didn't have the copy off of the original album because you know that's not on Smash or Thrashes and Hits or any of the other things that I had. So I just figured that the remix was just the standard mix of the song and especially on on um on rock bottom with the she intro i didn't figure that out until i bought alive that that's you know that was two you know mixed together type thing so um double platinum was early in my fandom and, and and really got me going on on their back catalog and i think that's you know what a, what a lot of fans in that time frame that that picked up on kiss in in the eighties or early nineties probably had the same same type of, of story
0: yeah absolutely i'm I'm one of those people with a very similar story i mean i I never can remember particularly which one came after asylum you know obviously is my entry point. I think you know I went for a the one with the most songs on it. So it could have been alive. It could have been double platinum. You know, it could have been, it could even have been alive too, which was, you know, but it would have been one of the next ones that I bought simply because that was the way I thought as a fan. It would have been on cassette. It would have been purchased at Music City and bingham to New York. I, you know, those are the things I do know for sure. I also know that those versions of the, the remixes on the album were still the ones that kind of sit in my head when I hear. Yeah, you know, and listening to the album, um, that they, the material comes off, it's like, oh, that's you know not the one that is kind of uh engraved on my what remains of my brain. Um, so, so when I listen to the Double Platinum on its own, it's like, okay, this all feels how it's supposed to be. This is a natural listening experience for me. So, it's one of the, one of those weird things. And I mean, come on, cassettes were shit, but uh, I mean, I did have, I I bought the LP. Uh, when I started collecting and I got rid of it because I saw that there was a a shiny cover version of Double Platinum that had platinum center rings and the one I had had annoying black text, which we now know is the the 85 reissue non-gatefold. So I I binned that and replaced it with a uh, 78 copy, which (laughs) there you go. Go figure. My early collecting was definitely teetering on toddler legs. Learned a lot. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the songs that are on this. I mean, obviously, when when you get into the album itself, you, you start off with Strutter 78, which is a completely pointless redo. Let's get that one out of the way immediately. Should it have been on there, or should there have been a new song? And knowing what you know of the demos that, say, circulate these days from mm-hmm. around the era, what would be the one, if you would replace it, or other song that you would re-record... Or do you think Strutter 78 is fantastic, re-recorded, Mark?
1: Um, I
0: don't know. I don't think it's
1: horrible. It is kind of pointless. I mean, the only thing that really changed on it, they just gave it a board of sort of disco beat, and just some little guitar lines got added here and there. But other than that, it's nothing really to write home about. I think they just did that so that he can claim to have a single to release from the album. Now, Um as far as other songs that could be on there i mean there was all kinds of things that i used to read about i'm not as uh connected into the whole scene with the unreleased stuff as maybe some of you guys are but i remember in one of the books they were saying that they uh were talking about that queen for a day song that they said that that, that appeared somewhere on uh, a reel somewhere when they got sent over to do the work for this album and they said that you know obviously they weren't going to put that on there but that was the only song that kind of comes to mind as a not released song that maybe they could have used i guess if they really really wanted to but um i i like the songs that are on double platinum the only thing that i think is pointless on there is Strutter 78 so apart from that i think everything else on there is good i mean obviously the rock bottom intro is kind of you know, useless as well in there too. But, um, but I I think the rest of it is good. And just like you, Julian, I think a lot of the mixes on this album are the ones that I enjoy more. Like Calling Doctor Love, I think that version on this album is much better than the one on Rock and Roll Over. I like it a lot
0: better. Yeah, and of course the stuff from Hotter Than Hell sounds pretty damn good on double platinum, doesn't it? Uh, Lonnie, what about you? Starter seventy eight, yay or nay, or would you replace I- it?
2: I can take it or leave it. It's, it's fine. It, obviously it's, it's not my favorite version of the song. And actually the single that appears on like that, that single box set is even drastically different than even what appears on, on double yeah. platinum. That was actually one of the bigger surprises of that, of that singles box set a few years ago, but I could really take it or leave it. I mean, I, why, why remix that song it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, personally, you know, I'd rather seen them do something like they did with Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Uh, going back to that, and putting on a couple of new songs, um, like maybe Reputation, clean that up and put it on there, or Smoke, clean that up and put it on there, something like that. Um, I think that could have been more fun than just a remix of a song that already appears on the first album, that already appears on Kiss Alive, and you're putting out again. On a third album in basically four years, that appears on on four kiss ob- three kiss albums in four years, it doesn't it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I would have done something different with some new songs personally.
0: Yeah, and since you said reputation, thank you very much. I looked at some of the stuff that they kind of peg at the, that era, and that was one of the ones. Plus, the other song that was mentioned in the Kiss Army newsletter that fans who were members of the Kiss Army would have been aware of, um, you know, if they'd been in the Love Gun era, Sincerely, which mm. uh, they they did mention that kind of, uh, you know, I can't remember which issue off the top of my head, so don't bust my balls, people. Um so Ken, what about you?
3: Yeah, you know, Stutter Seventy Eight. I didn't care for it too much when I first heard it. Um, that was probably the got a very first, on. very, very first, yeah, <laughs> very first time I did hear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just, was that in time? But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so I agree with Lonnie um, about. The single version i'd like the single version much better but uh having said that i don't i don't think they needed to put it there either put the studio version of strutter there or you know what's missing from here seems to me it seems to be uh, shouted out loud yeah it, mm-hmm. it's not on here so why not put that there instead of the strutter 78 that's what i would do
1: or i stole your love
3: yeah yeah, I mean it's a lot, of, a lot of better choices than that re-record. It's it's like, like everyone else said. It's pretty. It was pretty pointless to do. Um, well, you know, I guess they're just trying to say, oh, it's a new song. But if you gotta do a new song from that standpoint, do a new song, not a yeah. re-record of one of your songs.
0: I, I think as far as Strutter goes, at least it had been a single. You know, I, I did the numbers on this, and um, I, my biggest problem with the album is its balance. It, it's completely unbalanced in terms of the material. Mm-hmm. Um, just for example, uh, Simmons-Stanley compositions, there are four. Primary Simmons comp- uh, compositions, three. Primary Frelly compositions, two. Chris, one. Stanley <laughs> Eleven, Uh you know, in, 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 in terms of the balance, it's uh, a little bit skewed for me. You know, where is the stuff like "Watching You" or, you know, when you look at some Shock like, Me, yeah, Shock Me, is is probably the biggest,
3: that's a big, big and, one and right most there.
0: egregious, you know, m- you know, candidate that's missing. And what was it used? Cool. It was used as the B side again on. Mm-hmm. um the Strutter 78 single. So, you know, what are some of the most egregious songs that you think are missing from
3: this Ken? Well, like I said, shout it out loud. Uh, I know, um, Mark mentioned, I Story your love, which is a pretty darn good one. Um, I also was thinking, um, what was the other one I was thinking of now? Is making love on here? Oh yeah, it is yeah, on it here. Is. Never mind. <laughs> it is on here. So I just forgot it. Here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Songs like that, um, I can It's actually a pretty good selection, but I think you know the the biggest one for me was "Shout Out Loud" and like you said, "Shock Me." I mean, at least I mean Ace just. I guess they didn't want to put too much Love Gun maybe on here. Um, that's why Shock Me is not on there, and I saw your love is not on there. It's, yeah, it's love too new, and they wanted people to buy more yeah. of Love Gun. The title track's the only one on there. Yeah.
0: Lonnie, what about you? What, what sort yeah. of songs do you think should be kind of there in place of what is there?
2: You know, in a, in a greatest hits package, you know, um, Christine 16 was a single. And 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 I get it. We, we were just saying, I get it why there's not a lot of Love Gun represented on there. Love Gun's less than a year old when this album came out. And they probably thought, well, that's going to curtail any potential sales of, of Love Gun if we put out the... Greatest Hits of Love gone on on a new Greatest Hits package, you know we, we might be shooting ourselves in the foot, but I think so I get it at the time, but then going back and like for us who for like well the three of us who rediscovered the this era of the band, you you take a look at it for itself and go well this isn't the greatest hits of the first six albums there, you know we're we're recalling you know shout it out, out loud where's shout it out loud where's I stole your love where's Christine 16 where's Shock Me um, why is there so much more from certain albums and not enough from others? So I get, I get it, I understand why why it is the way the way it is. But there's a lot off that first album on there. I mean, Strutter, Deuce, Hundred Thousand Years, Cold Gin, Black Diamond. I mean, that, there's five songs off off the first album alone, and and one song off of off of Love Gun, and there's one, two is there only two off a of higher than hell? Yep. The single, so, basically. Yeah, so I mean it it's it's really loaded with certain albums and, and not with others. So but why five songs off the first album and then two off the second? Because like Julian said, we're just watching you. How about that? And yeah, it was on Alive, but most all of these songs are on Alive or Alive Two as well. So I think I think it's it's interesting the way they they put it together and I, I think at the time it makes sense but but when you're you're backtracking the catalog it it raises some questions but I understand why they did it the way they did.
1: Maybe they were being cautious about it because if you go out and put more of Hotter than Hell stuff on there, especially since it sounds so much better, they hear that on there and go, oh, this sounds great. They go buy Hotter than Hell and they go, ooh, what the hell happened? Sounds like you know <laughs> it, it could sound like crap like yeah. compared to the double platinum. Personally, mm-hmm. for me. I think that I agree with Julian. They should have balanced it out a bit more, maybe even put more songs on there with Peter singing. Like, why didn't they put maybe like nothing to lose on there with Peter doing, you know, his backup singing there in the chorus or why didn't they put something, you know, this is a bad example, but "Getaway" for example, with something he's singing or strange ways or something with Peter on there representing him. Because while Ace didn't really do any singing except shock me, Peter had done singing on quite a bit of the songs, Right. So why not have him represented on there? He really didn't. He just did Beth. That's it, right? So I think that's one thing that's kind of missing as well, right? Uh, there were, you know, if you really want to look at it, there are songs that we just mentioned already. You know, Lonnie mentioned Christine 16 is not on there. That's a big song that should have been on there. If you're going to look at this as a greatest hits sort of example, right? I still think Strangeways is a great song that should have maybe been put on there. That could have been put on there instead of something like 100,000 Years or something, because, I mean, that song is not exactly the high point of the first record, even though the live version is. But that's the live version, right? And, uh, you know, there's so many different things that they could have done. Watching You is a song that is definitely missing, because it's a great song. I mean, my favorite version of it still has to be the Eddie Kramer demo version of it that they did early on. I love that version of it. But again, maybe they didn't, do it because they would have cleaned it up put it on here it would have sounded a lot better than people go running for hotter than hell and they're like you know so i think that's maybe why they stayed away from that and why they loaded so much on the first record because the first record it it sounds a lot better than the second one i mean you know i think it does
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I kinda of thought about when looking at this album. Six songs off the first album, Strutter, Firehouse, Deuce, Hundred Thousand Years, Cold June, Black Diamond. I'm like, that's just way too much from one album, taking away spots basically for another album. So I pruned it down. I say, Okay, Strutter and Deuce You know, personal preferences, I mean the two kinda of go together anyway. Nothing to lose, first single, and then B Side to Kissin Time. It it should have been on there and it's a Peter vocal. And then Firehouse because of the uh T V stuff that you know where that's performed so it all makes sense from that you know double platinum no matter what they called it a commemorative celebrating but it's still going to be an entry point for many people at that time it's going to be the first time you want it to kind of draw people to your catalog as well as celebrating the band so when we get to hotter than hell i'm i'm going with hotter than hell let me go rock and roll i actually went with got to choose over uh watching Just again, because if this is going to be the Paul Stanley double platinum album, you know, it's going to be got to choose rather than watching you. Dress to Kill, again, I mean, there's four, technically four songs, three and a half, call that rock bottom intro. She is just dirge-like and I don't think is a good kind of advertisement. So I replaced that with Getaway, which you've already mentioned. Because, mm. again it was on it was the b-side to both of the singles released off that album you know, I mean it's okay as it is Let, let's let's be very clear it, it's just mm-hmm. like when you start thinking about you're trying to sell it shout it out loud is another one you know that even as much as I'm not a fan of that song and it's on my list as is uh, one other one take me
2: yeah.
0: which yeah making love. You know, no, take me. a b side again, making love was nothing. You know, or Mister Speed wasn't that a B side on one of the singles? So, you know, there's yeah. there's so much more that they could have done with it. Packaging, yeah. I mean, Ken, you're the only one who was contemporaneously in the same room in the same year as this album oh, being yeah. released. You know, what did you think of the packaging? Was it one? Of, did you think it was like the coolest thing you'd ever seen, or?
3: Yeah, I thought it was pretty darn cool. I mean, with the reflective. I mean, what they, sh- they should have put it as part of the hype sticker. Or if there was a hype. It uh, just said, you know, it's great for tanning too. I mean, you can go like this, you know, this, and you're out in the sun, do <laughs> the reflecting thing. Well, you'd have but, all uh, you'd have all the stellas doing that, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I thought, oh, this is very. I mean. No other album. I think there's only a, a couple albums that had been released that had, the, you know, silver-type foil thing. I know Bad Company did. I think, uh, I want to say Grand Funk might have done one. Maybe they did Gold. But anyway, um, it, it's, it's not a common thing. Um, and I think I'm sure it costs a little bit more money to do this. Um, but theirs was, I mean, the Kiss one, was, man, it's just super shiny. And then the other packaging part of it is the, I guess, the embossing on the inside. Um, and I see where, you know, like Mark said, you know, you've got in there, you're trying to trace to see who, what they really look like without makeup kind of thing. But, uh, I, we, I think we probably did. It It was like, no, this doesn't work. Um, the other part is, I guess the, I guess I would have rather have had instead of the plain white sleeves, something else like lyrics or something like that. They didn't have any of that. They're just the plain white sleeves. Um, it did have, of course, the, the little award deal uh, that came with it. I think I mentioned this in another podcast uh, that, you know, they should have made it a flexi-disc kind of thing. Um, and maybe if they were going to put Strutter 78, put that on, like, a flexi-disc. Oh, of, uh, oh they, that's a good I like that one. And, and play that, that, you know, play it that way. And then, then you can, on the actual vinyl, you can put a real... Shout it out loud or whatever, you know, something that's Better really missing. interesting. So, but, uh, you know, can't go wrong. It's I've always loved this album. And I guess the, the, the key factor is that you know, it's just a mirror kind of shininess to it is is just very, you know, very cool.
0: So what do you guys think of your collections? What is your... Mm-hmm what is your kind of favorite or go-to copy in your collection, and what is the one that you would love to add into your collection? Me, it's easy, because I only have one copy of my collection at the moment, and that's the Kisteria version, and that'll probably be the only copy I have, because I never seem to be able to get my hands on the legendary um, Australian white cover, oh, and yeah. it's just going for stupid money now. So, Lonnie, what about
2: I got an original... Um, the original one i bought back in probably reunion tour era so i've had it for over 20 years it's it's nice it's, it has all the, the inserts and everything um it's my go-to for it you know if i'm at home if i'm not on if i'm not in the car or whatever obviously i have it on my phone if i'm in the car but um i don't know if i have another go-to i really need for it though to be perfectly honest with you it's a great album don't get me wrong and the australian the white australian one would be nice but I just don't have, I, I, I have to justify things and I can't justify that.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that, for, that is not going to work for, for the PC answer. <laughs> <laughs> Mark.
1: Well, I have the, uh, I have a couple of versions, but I have a, a standard um, Canadian release version of it. I have the uh, the one that's my main one that I like listening to is my U S promo copy version. I think that sounds really good. It's a nice, version of that um the one i'd like to get is either a japanese pressing version of it or what the one i would really like to get actually is i'd like to get the uk one that had the alternate pictures inside there uh i think mm-hmm. there was the dynasty pictures mm-hmm. i think they used in there i'd like to i'd like to get that one i'm mainly because i i like the the change you know having something different inside the gatefold as opposed to having just the standard one that you have all the time i mean you know the essentially the music is the same there's nothing changed on it the japanese pressing may just sound better because it's better quality vinyl and it's not as noisy so that would be maybe an audiophile version of why to get that version of it but you know and i'm going to be very careful how i tread this little sentence here but you wouldn't catch me dead buying that australian pressing as I said, and almost got myself launched out of a particular Facebook group for saying this, that only a fool would pay that much money just yeah. to have a different cover, you know, just to get a different cover pressing, you know, How that record. That, that, that's all you're paying the two thousand dollars or whatever the crazy amount that they're paying for for that record for that album. I mean, really, all it is is just, and it's not even a proper version of it. That was just someone that they decided to make. Because they couldn't get the proper ones like this, so they they just decided now all of a sudden that this one is so valuable. I mean, it's really a B version of the cover, but yet it's so it's so collectible. You know, I mean, okay, I'm not sorry, I'm gonna stop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, might be a good idea. You might get you might get banned. I get,
2: I might, yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um. So the ones, uh, Mark, the one, uh, the one with the uh, from UK with a different there, yeah. I, I do have that one. Um, oh, nice. But but my, uh, I guess my favorite is. I don't know what the go-to is. I I, I have the promo one. I have the my original, um, and the Casteria one, which I don't think I've opened up yet. I don't think I've pulled, you know. I mean, I know that one is, is a rare. There should be what a thousand copies of that. Um, but you know what? I might, I might open that one tomorrow, oh. Oh. and 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 play it so I can hear the difference. Uh, since it's all remastered, uh, I'm thinking it might sound pretty darn good. So uh, I might do that. Um, I guess that would, or if it sounds sounds good, uh, that would probably be my go-to.
0: Yeah, I, I think collecting wise I, I got rid of everything. I got rid of my British one, uh, which was, was the, the alternate blue cover inside. I had this great Japanese one and I, I bought it cheaply, I think, on on eBay, and it arrived and it had the unused um hype sticker that went on the on the outside with the yeah, you know, the track listing and all the details. Um, yeah. It had a survey postcard. It had the poster. Had the lyric. Had everything, Uh-oh. everything wow. and more. So it was a super duper copy. Um yeah. Of course, I sold it because once I've had it in my hands, I'm done. You know, it's like okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just it's like to have the hunt. Yeah. It, you know, it, sure. it is is what it's about for me rather than. You know, building up boxes and boxes and boxes of kiss stuff in an apartment. I mean, my, my wife hates me enough anyway for all the kiss shit I have around. But, you know, if I had shelves full of LPs that, you know, when an earthquake hits and they all fall down on her, I mean, if she survived that, I'd, I would be a dead man. So, all right. Any final thoughts on double platinum? Um, I do have just one quick one, and that is uh, internal documentation. Uh, Casablanca suggests it had shipped uh, 1.3 million copies by June 79. Add to that the 522,000 that it scanned in the sound scanner. So that's 1991 to March 2012 was the last time we got any figures. And that puts it over 1.8 million by then. So I think it's pretty clear it's... that double platinum is indeed double platinum.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah that's what I was going to say. Yeah. How
0: about yeah. that?
1: Yeah
3: took a while, but it, it made it. All right, let's it's get a...
1: sorry Sorry. No, I was just going to say, it was funny that it, initially that was one of the comments that a lot of people started making about that record is that that they had, the, you know, people are saying the gull to call it double platinum when it didn't even sell that much. But I guess now they can... Say it, no problem now.
0: Forty years later, it's definitely (laughs) shipped two million copies because a a lot of those Casablanca numbers in the early days were uh, creative Mm. mafia math, shall we say. All right, let's go to a topic on the board for discussion, and this one jumped out at me today, and it was, Would Eddie Kramer have made the production of Kiss's albums in the 1980s better? Mark, would Bob Ezrin's um, production have well, made?
3: Which, well, it depends on right? So. Yeah, I, well,
0: and, and I and I say start with animal, leads? start with animal eyes. Huh. Right, uh, okay. You All know, right. and go okay. for, go from there because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. think anyone's gonna diss Michael James Jackson and no. the work done on yeah. both of those albums. So yeah,
1: well, with that said, I I think that the, the my first impulse is to say yes because um, Eddie Kramer has done a lot of really great records i mean i have a spotify account yeah it's not the you know nothing to write home about but um on it they have a little thing where every once in a while they make these specialty playlists and one time they had an eddie kramer playlist where they had a whole slew of material that he had produced over the years that you know hendrix and all kinds of different stuff and you know you gotta you gotta hand it to him he's he's a fantastic engineer he has a good ear and a lot of the records that he's been doing uh, are the ones that I enjoy the most. Rock and Roll Over is a prime example. And, you know, later on, he did work with Ace on some of his records later on. And uh, the they, Wilder are maybe not the best written songwriting-wise. You can't knock the sound quality of them. They sound really good. The or the production of it was good, whether it sounds dated you know, that also has to do with the artist too. Maybe the artist wants to sound that way. You know, maybe they want that gated snare or they want this or that, or they want some odd flanger sound that only came out in the nineteen eighties. But I think on as a whole, I think that Eddie Kramer really is a benefit to any band that he was working with. So I think that Animalize would have been much better, I think, with him behind it, because I think Paul would have been able to more focus on the writing side his performing, his singing, and not have to worry about the production because it is a lot of work to do that as well as everything else. You know, producer's job is not the easiest job to have. So you take that away and give it to Eddie Kramer and he puts his magic on it, could you imagine how much better Animal Eyes could have been?
0: Precisely. Lonnie. I don't know. I think
2: <laughs> I think the eighties uh Maybe you are, don't know. Well
0: I, I don't know.
2: I don't know if, if had Eddie Kramer Come in and produce those albums would, would have made them better? Sure, I think it could have made them better. But I think that the sound that is translated on Animal Eyes and on Asylum and on Crazy Nights is the sound that they wanted. It is the sound that was trendy at the time. You can look back at it and say, well, th- you know, these albums don't sound as good as Creatures of Night, or they don't sound as good as Look It Up. You know, well. Well, Michael James Jackson produced those and Paul Stanley produced these others, So that's why. Well, you know what? Kiss also looked a little different in those years. And if you look at look at it with blinders on and look at Kiss on the Asylum tour and go, why do they look like that? Well, you're missing the fact that every other band that was popular at the time was dressing almost the same way. And Kiss was looking for a, an image and that's the image that they wanted. And I think they were looking for a sound. And that's the sound they wanted was a sound that was trendy at the time for starting with amyle in 84. So could any of Kramer have made them better? Yeah, I think he could have made them better. He could have sound he could have made them sound better to us in 2018. But I don't think they would have resonated better in 1984, if that makes any sense.
0: Which album would he have best benefited then? I mean, I, I kind of go between. Animalize is probably a, a somewhat poor-sounding album, as is Hot in the Shade. Crazy Nights is exactly again what they wanted, so I don't really even figure that there's much to be done there because it would just it would change the dynamics so much. Um, Asylum is perfection. Sonically, for me. So, you know, it's a hard, crunchy rock album, you know. So take it or leave it, you know. Again, it's so subjective. I, I just think that Eddie Kramer, this whole thing, and I, I think I chimed in on the thread, was that I don't think that Frelly's Comet is a particularly good sounding album. I think it's perfectly adequate. It's not spectacular. It is, he did not hit the same um, ball out of the park that he had with the 78 album. Obviously, the material is not on the same caliber as the 1978 solo album material, but it's got some... We Got Your Rock is a great song. Um Calling to You is a great song. Rock Soldiers is a great song. Breakout, you know, so it does have some really strong material, but it's just... It's lacking any kind of seasoning. It's just very matter-of-fact... um one form for me you know it, it, one note whatever I I don't know how to really explain it it's just kind of bland tasteless black seasoning so that's why I don't think he could help them again like Lonnie said you know they, they knew a sound that they wanted for you know most of those albums Ken what are
3: your thoughts yeah well <laughs> animalize animalize uh You know, that's Paul's actually what second attempt at producing because I think he did what uh, New England's first album, didn't he? Yeah, Um, Yeah. uh, but here's where I think the producer of Eddie Kramer would would have benefited not necessarily the sound, I think the song selection. He, He may have been had some influence where you know where he would have allowed certain Gene songs on there. Over the other Gene turds that, you know, ended up on the end of Animal Eyes. Um, that's where the Paul Stanley factor comes in where I'm not going to. I don't no, nope, I don't like that song, Gene. You know, sorry. Oh, I like that one. While the city sleeps. That's a great song. Let's put that on there. <laughs> you know, so I think... Under I, high heels? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Eddie <laughs> Kramer would have said, you know, no, Gene, this is not is either it's not stuff or it's not finished. So, you know, what else you got, you know? They go, Oh, I got the Juliet, or you know, or in these other things or whatever. Um, so I think they would have been better at least from the song standpoint itself, not necessarily worried about the sound itself, but the actual songs that ended up on the the records.
1: Could you imagine a world without Burn
0: Bitch Burn? Wow,
3: <laughs> very 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 easily. I mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I, no, I you uh,
2: wouldn't have it. You wouldn't. It wouldn't exist anymore because you would have gotten it on the vault anyway. So it wouldn't have. It wouldn't exist anymore. It would have been,
0: yeah, the demo. It just would have been a been. longer
2: world, a longer time frame without Burn Bitch Burn. You'd have it now.
0: I was writing some shit about
2: Or at least Ken and Julian would have it now. How about that?
0: Okay, yeah, we would get to hear. And, and that's you guys the, would get to enjoy. It. Yeah, and we'd tell you all about it in Ooh, gosh, yeah. in, in small words as well. Um, <laughs> you know, there was one of the things in the vault I was actually reading yesterday. The Lonely the Hunter. Lonely is the Hunter.
3: Oh, yeah, Lonely is the Hunter, yeah. The
0: snarky comments from Gene about Paul's production of Animal Eyes ruining, <laughs> basically he he's said, Paul ruined my song. Yeah, he ruined "Lonely as the Hunter." Yeah, <laughs> that's hard to do. Yeah, Eddie Kramer isn't gonna save "Lonely as the Hunter" either. So
2: correct, yes.
0: Bob Ezrin. Now, uh, yeah, I think he could. Now, have, there's a guy with some vision. He could have saved Animal no. Eyes because none <laughs> no. none of those songs would be on the album, right, Mark? They, oh God! They, and there would be an orchestra, and there would be a oh yeah a, a bassoon and
1: kids.
2: Yeah. yeah, we'd have kids singing along with Burn, Bitch, Burn. <laughs> and, oh, and
1: maybe
3: so some string behind us. Yeah,
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, it yeah, should have been kids, different. It should have been burn,
3: burn, Witch, Burn, Witch, Burn. It might have worked better. That's what it I'm was.
0: I, I, I said this the other day. I don't know if it was on this podcast. And was one it of really? One of the ones I was, yeah, the original title was Burn, Witch, Burn. So, oh, oh,
3: really, eh? Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, I read that I on the that.
0: on the internet, so it must be true. So It must be true. I, I think the only place that Eddie Kramer could have really helped out the band in the 1980s is right at the end with uh, that abomination, Hot in the Shade, which just sounds like shit. I mean... Yeah, you know, well... Because then it would have had a... You know, no disrespect, it's probably Pat Regan is uh, the engineer on a lot of those tracks. You know, it would have had a... I guess a more... Um, studio quality engineer behind the board whereas I think Pat or whoever was the engineer behind the board was really taking them strictly as a demo so that quality didn't matter as much whereas someone that is in their blood like Eddie I don't think he's going to allow a demo listen to his 73 demos versus the album versions I think that makes the case that uh, imagine those songs being treated in a similar manner to the 73 demos
1: but, that, but that's it exactly, because I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, even his demos sound better than that album, right? So how, how could he not have a positive influence on the record? Because if he went in with that mentality to say, okay, guys, we're going to go in and just do a, a demo the old school way. Because he just recently talked about this on Eddie Trunk when you we were
0: talking oh, about oh, this Jesus stuff. Yeah, Remember and and that, that drummer on. on started? Yeah, larger than life. What? How many fucking pages is that thread now? Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, oh, it's only seven.
1: I knew it though. I yeah, I I, I believe I believe him that Anton played on Rocket Ride because he that could, is not Peter's drumming.
0: He didn't know him. He is not in the picture at all. The timeline is known for Anton. It is not Anton. There is no way it is Anton. No one knew him until early seventy-eight. Or late 77 at the very earliest when Ace was putting together his band and then it was only an accident that he ever came into contact with Anton it wasn't planned it wasn't some uh, I mean it's more like a sword coming out of the lake you know some that Anton comes into the picture way too late to have had anything
3: to do with what was done in the studio it's like it's like uh, Eddie Trunk was leading the witness <laughs> Which no, was, no, I, Eddie Kramer. I
0: think yeah. Eddie Kramer is absolutely correct that there is a possibility that he remembers someone else drumming, whether he was sure. doing demo sessions with Gene and say the Larger Than Life demo. I would not be surprised in the slightest that half the shit Gene takes the credit for drumming for on that album is Joe X from Stars. Mm. He's the name that has always been thrown around that I've heard as being one of the ghost drummers. Now, Peter Chris, again, I am just not enough of a musician to be able to speak to those drums, but I never thought that there was anything in those drums. I've listened to those songs over and over again. It doesn't sound like Anton to me. No, it doesn't sound like Anton, and it's not, you know. But it doesn't
1: sound like him because it's just way Peter. too, it's way too technically good to be Peter Chris. So no offense to Peter Chris, but I mean, you know, come, on, come on. I mean, the the very first time I heard that, I I thought right away that it wasn't him because it just doesn't sound like his style. You know, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, it just, I, I never bought it. I never thought that it was him.
2: So you, what you're saying is you're not going to go see Peter Chris when
0: he's in when he's in Canada in June because now, well, looks, now, you, you like.
1: now
0: now he knows what you look like now 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 you're known to him. This will get why bad. Do you hate
2: Peter
1: I don't hate Peter Chris. I'm just saying that <laughs> his, his whole thing, like, like when you listen to him play throughout the albums, there's there's a lot of Rosamond that that's in some of these songs that he just doesn't do. Mm. You know. Yeah so you know who it knows? could be this it could be this guy that you're talking about, who knows, you know and I, I trust I trust your research in the sense that if you say that anton is not in there, then I will I believe you right? see now
2: it seems like you're arguing with yourself because earlier you said you believe that it's anton. Now you're saying you believe it's not
1: anton if he has the evidence to prove it, then obviously <laughs> that then, uh, then it, then it can't be, right? but I'm saying um, to me it, it just. Out of everything else, like, look at um, Rocket in the USA, okay, for example. I-, I think that could easily be Peter Chris drumming that, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, All American Man, that could be Peter Chris drumming it. But it- I'm telling you, it's those other ones, you know, and, and even larger in life, I think that could be Peter, too. It's the only one that I think that he doesn't have, that he didn't play on his Rocket Rides. The only one. And I know that as soon as I said that on the board, everyone was like, "Whoa, what are you talking about?
3: You know? Someone, someone had said on that the board, I guess that they would have, Gene or Paul would have definitely taken that chance to say, "Yeah, he didn't. You know, Peter wasn't there. And he couldn't. He couldn't drum like that. You know, so he wasn't gonna. You know, we exactly. got this. So we got so and so the the drum." Because Peter couldn't, you know, wasn't up to snuff. So, but they haven't done that. Gene uh, always says that it is Peter. So,
2: when when have they pulled any punches again, you know, at Peter Chris and said, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> a, well, I'm, I'll
1: take this They'll jab at Peter any opportunity. I'm not going to take that jab at Peter. Yeah. yeah. Well, that tells me it is. That tells well, me they, it is. Okay, but when did they ever, okay, I don't know this, this is why I'm actually literally asking this. When hmm. did they actually confirm that Anton, played on Dynasty or on Mass did they actually come out and say it those guys that was that something that was discovered and then they admitted to it
0: that was years and years later i mean Anton didn't
3: talk about it the remasters is the time that it kind of really they really that
0: they admitted it there were rumors yeah. and, and and you know i remember the rumors you know as yeah. you know early on as, as a fan i mean there was you know Richie fontana's name was thrown around as well um as drumming on that album which obviously you know he hasn't you know there was a time that anton had a message board you know early 2000s and he wouldn't he still wouldn't talk about it you know he 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 wouldn't specifically yeah. confirm or deny um anything about it so you know i did well, oh, here, here's one thing that I do wonder with Gene and Paul, and I totally agree with what Lonnie said. When have they missed an opportunity to throw Peter Chris under the bus in recent decades since Peter left the band for the final time? They haven't. They, they've they've taken every opportunity they can to, you know, kind of denigrate him and kind of uh, erase the importance of his contributions to the band. But what if they had nefariously replaced him, say? done the, the drum tracks. He thought he did a great job, went home. They stayed in the studio. Mm. Hey, Joe, come come over here. here here's 50 bucks.
1: Yeah, because yeah. Like, take, that's, yeah. like that's never happened before. I mean, that was one of the things I also talked about on there, too. Like, lots of bands have done the ghost session stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Scorpions were, the, were a prime example of it as well. Blackout. That that's not uh, Herman Rarebell on drums doing that. No, neither is it that other guy in the bass. And Bobby Rondinelli said it himself that he drummed on that. So you know, and the, 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 he's not credited anywhere. But you know, it, it's not the thing because it, the, the the unity of the group is more important, right? That's what they're trying to portray, yeah, right? Finn,
3: for sure, yeah.
0: Now, I want to go to one more topic on the board today, um, and keep this show nice and concise. Well, it's hardly concise with three different things being, t- four different things mm-hmm. we talked about. But um, <laughs> one thing that jumped out at me is that thread. Uh, Gene becomes a spokesman for a weed company.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's solid.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that is Invictus in appointing Gene. What what do they call him? Um, oh, Jesus, the chief evangelist officer. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: of Canada. chief,
2: chief medial, media mogul Gene Simmons as chief evangelist officer. Yeah, yeah. And, and Gene Simmons the medical. It, oh
0: gosh. Yeah. It is. It's Health Canada's access to cannabis for medical purposes. Um, the FDA and narcotics control regulations. You know, Gene Simmons is a branding and merchandising genius who not only created one of the most iconic bands of all time, but has spent decades building successful brands internationally in various industries and putting down anyone who has anything to do with drugs. Wait, no, they missed that part apparently. Uh, <laughs> Gene will lead marketing initiatives that will help spread the positive messages that dwell at the heart of Invictus in accordance with the strict regulations of all those. What do you think? Is that like the highest point of hypocrisy or is is anything for a buck okay in this context? Kiss does obviously sell ashtrays and wine and and beer and many things that Gene has said are bad for you and that you're a loser for doing. Um is weed any different, especially in the medical field? Is this just uh, gene being gene? Ken? Yeah. Nah.
3: Uh, well, <laughs> um, the one, of the first, one of the first things I thought is like, Oh, anything, you know, he's going to get, I said, they're paying him. I you mean, know, Oh, that's the key thing there. Um, but I thought, well, it's got to, yeah, the medical marijuana, um, the only way he would buy into anything like that to have his name associated with I think that I wouldn't think he would have his name associated with the uh, recreational outlet um, for it at all I mean that would just wouldn't make any sense I, I can't see him doing that so it's kind of a stretch for him um, yeah it's just kind of weird
1: but, you know, but this is this is stupid though because they're saying medical marijuana. and well, we all know what what's really going on here, okay? Because <laughs> here in Canada, here in Canada, when 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 Trudeau said that he was legalizing it here, mm-hmm. like nationwide for us to have marijuana being legal, I mean, I could literally hear the wine bottles popping, the corks popping everywhere down the street, and people celebrating and yay, finally. And I can see the grocery store owners all celebrating that they're going to be selling potato chips by the dozens as soon as that becomes legal here in Canada, you know. And because, we need more Cheetos. Yeah, they're going, to go, they're going to go. Their stocks are going to go through the roof as soon as that happens here in Canada. Because even at my doctor's office, there are so many people there who are saying that hey, you know, before they were thinking of all kinds of reasons to get medical marijuana prescribed to them. But now that there's going to be no need for it because it's just going to be legal anyways, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need medical marijuana. So what what's the you know? And Gene before was saying, and I remember not the, the whole commentary section on one of these, uh, cosology things. They're saying drugs are the thing that is going to destroy our nation, and he went on and on about it during the you know when they were showing the uh, farewell tour footage. But now all of a sudden he's you know. He's supporting it and he's a spokesperson for it now. So what happened? You know, they should they should rewind that footage and play it back to him a couple thousand times and see if he remembers saying that, because now you know, hey, everybody's saying before, weed is the gateway drug to other things, cocaine and all everything else. So if you're supporting that, then well, you know.
0: It was a gateway drug for every fucking person I knew who used it in high school. Every single person <laughs> who touched it went on to something else. Um, up the food chain, shall we say, without going into any further details. So I, I have a problem with him doing, you know, it's legal in California. I can't walk down the goddamn street without someone toking up and inflicting They do shit with weed here that you can't get away doing with fags. I mean, with cigarettes, excuse me. Uh, yeah, slipped into English there for mean. a minute. <laughs> um, Careful. Yeah, especially, especially in San Francisco. That's a wrong no, a hell of a slip of the tongue to make.
3: Um, <laughs> That's it, boy.
0: But here, you know, you've got this, the anti-smoking signs. You've got to be 25 feet away from the entrance to a building. I actually keep buckets of boiling oil. If anyone smokes outside my apartment window, I go all 11th century on them. Off goes the boiling oil. Uh, you know, Damn, You know, you know there's, there's nothing. I'm overformed smoker. I quit 12 years ago. So I hate cigarette smoke and mm. people have been reasonably good since all these bans came into effect and you know that you know <sighs> you know about where they smoke and where they afflicted yeah. weed on the other hand you've got this stupid 420 bullshit that you know what hitler's birthday toke up um you know <laughs> they, they've been doing it in Gate park for years where you're not even allowed to smoke in Golden Gate Park, but it's okay and has been for many years. Everyone goes there and gets stoned on 420, and the police just, I guess, get contact high and <laughs> smile and don't shoot anyone. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> Golden Gate Jeez. Park, they, they, they'll, they'll kick children out of the park, you know, for playing skateboarding. Yeah, for skateboarding or playing soccer wearing cleats, little 40 pound kids. Yeah. And, but they'll let the, the stoners toke up because it's weed and the hate Ashbury's, you know, right there. So, yeah. Gene getting involved in in this, even though it's right now under the guise of medical, I I don't like it. But you know what? In in terms of hypocrisy. They've done the beer, they've done the wine, they've done the ashtray, exactly. so it's no fucking different than that. I True. just I just have a pet peeve against, I mean, come on, 2008, I went to Paso Robles, California State Fair, to see KISS. You know, had a great show, met Tim for the first time there, got to see face, uh, you know, makeup and manure, because it was the state farm. And <laughs> I actually got stoned contact high because of all the dope being smoked around me in that audience that I could not drive home because I was impaired. I had to get a hotel. It 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 freaking you know it really bugs the shit out of me. I don't happen to do that stuff now. Um, hey, when I was fifteen, I did lots of dumb shit, you know. So I I don't like it being inflicted, and I I don't think Gene really wants to be associated with how negative it's going to become in California while it's been legalized Mm -hmm. for now the taxes on it are just pushing it all underground again black market because they are taxing the living shit out of it thinking they're going to make money and they're making it uneconomic for everyone they're trying their damnedest to put minorities in as people who've been damaged by drug culture the most to give them a a leg up but then they're shooting them in the feet you know it's nuts
3: You know, you're talking about they've been there things. You know, him and Paul have the rock and brews, brews, right? Yep, so sure. it's it's just right there. I mean, they can do a rock and rock and weed,
1: Coffee.
3: <laughs> spin off or something. you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's all to me is, at, it, at this yeah. point. Way back, way a long time ago, you know, 20 years ago or whoever, it would have seemed like no way. You, you, I can't believe he would do that, but now I can see it.
0: Yeah. So what's coming next? Kiss branded bowls, kiss branded whippets, uh, you know, kiss, Um, kiss branded syringes for your heroin (laughs) junkie in your life. You know, it does seem, you
2: know, there, there is the beer, there is the wine, there is the Asher's, but it, it does seem like, like this crosses to a different entity than the, then the beer and the wine and the ashtray, and even the wine back in the day. I'm sure not all of it now, but like the, those original bottles of Kiss wine that came out there in the re- reunion tour were actually non-alcoholic wine, if you guys remember. Um, and I know there, ha- there is there is a there is it's non-alcoholic. I have a bottle, and of course I do. <laughs> and,
0: but I, I mean, so that, so in, that, in other words, they were selling Kool-Aid
2: sure yeah they're selling they're selling you know the blue just flavored whatever, but... kool-aid in a wine bottle but now i do understand that there's the beer and there and there's other things too but i don't know and maybe maybe you can blame it on the part of the country where i live you can blame it on you know the what was ever inflicted on me growing up values that were you know inflicted on me growing up but i i think like I think that the marijuana thing even though it's medical marijuana I think crosses into it crosses a line into a different entity than than the other items. But like Ken said if he would have done this in 98 just say 20 years ago in 98 it would have been frowned upon much more than it is in 2018. Because it is legalized and for for medical purposes in certain states and legalized throughout the throughout the, the board in other states. So Am I am I okay with that? If they legalize weed in Missouri, am I going to go out and buy marijuana? No, I'm not going to go out and do that. That's not my thing. But I don't know. I I still think it, it's crossing the line into another realm from what they had done previously, in my opinion. And you can yeah, yeah. get upset about it if you want, but that's my opinion.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm not I'm not one to hide my past. I mean, I was pretty open about it a lot earlier on in my episodes, and you know I. I had trouble with a lot of stuff before, whether it was marijuana, cocaine and stuff like that before. But that's all kicked opiates and stuff like that. And that's done with me. And I don't have any problem with people smoking pot. I don't do it. I used to do it before, too. But, you know, to, to me, a toke here and there doesn't really bother me. But what does bother me about this is that if they agree with this, you know, and they legalize it, will it stop there? Because I mean, I think about places like Switzerland and stuff like that. When I was younger, I went there and over there they had like everything was legalized. They had like a park there where they had like a there was a fountain in this park and people were cleaning out their needles in this park and shooting heroin, you know, and it was they legalized everything. And when I talked to some of the people there when I was younger there, some of their mentality toward it was that they I forget what this is called. Is it Darwinism where they say that let them do it and then just get rid of all the stupid people theory. Where they said, okay, if, you, if you're stupid mm. enough to do it, much. let them kill themselves and that's the end of it, right? right. Mm. So, but I mean, you know, sometimes people get hooked on this stuff, you know, and get onto it from a means that they didn't mean to get on that way, you know. Like some people have bad backs or they have a hip injury mm. or the surgery yeah. and they get onto these opiates and then they have a hard time getting off of it. That's what happened with me. My back is totally shot. I have like psoriasis in the part of my spine. And I got onto opiates because of that. And then it was a bitch getting off of it. And I, I'm telling you, I don't wish that on anyone getting off of it because there was a lot of puking, a lot of bad stuff trying to get off of it, you know? Sure. And, and that's the thing. Not everybody who gets hooked on this stuff did it because they wanted to party dude and wanted to get hooked on sure. and you know do that kind of stuff. So I think there has to be a line kind of drawn with that. It's not everybody who's doing it. It's just a moronic idiot. Sometimes it just happens that way. That they got onto it because of medical reasons, right? But you know, that's what I'm just worried about is that if, it, if they're going legal, to legalize marijuana here, I hope they just leave it at that and they don't say, okay, well now you know, let's just do everything legal. And then you know, for I don't, I'm not sure what the mentality was in Switzerland why they did it that way. I don't know enough about that history about why they legalized everything at that point, but I really hope it doesn't go that far here.
0: And and that's what San Francisco is doing right now: uh, safe shoot-up zones. Yeah, for fuck's sake! Yeah, you know, it 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 just you know I I totally get that there are plenty of people who use marijuana to alleviate symptoms of anxiety of MS. I know there is a medical use for it and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. And I know there's also what is the difference recreationally between that and beer? Come on, it it grows naturally. It's not like a, it's a coke or something that needs to be refined or distilled, yeah. like whiskey. I mean, come on, more effort goes into making whiskey than growing bud. So, it, you know, it, it's a tough thing. It just seems to really go against everything that Gene says, and and maybe, maybe his role is, you know, yet to be defined, and we're instantaneously mm-hmm. associating Simmons, dope, it was against everything that he says and without really reading the context of everything yeah. that's in this press release as the chief evangelist. I, I think mainly it sounds more like, again, they're going to use his visibility um, to, to bring awareness yeah, yeah. to what they're trying to do. I don't think he would bother to get in, involved in anything that he's that does go against his mantra. Yeah. I, I just don't see Gene selling himself out. I, I know he'll sell a lot yeah. of things, but I, I think there is a line that he won't cross, without a doubt. So yeah, maybe maybe let's let's wait and see on this. I'm gonna head off to the Rock and Brewers now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I think that's enough dope and. Uh, and strange topics i mean for those of you who are listening what do you think about uh i think the peter chris question is one of the most interesting ones that we've kind of touched on today double platinum awesome 40 gonna spin it afterwards um anyone know joe you know let's get him on if he wants to come on this podcast or go on any other podcast you know i'd love to talk to him about stars uh or whatever no what bad yeah stars i think i don't know fuck it um his music <laughs> and that question around. Um, particularly Gene's demos. I'd, I'd love to find out more about that from people who know. So if you know stuff and want to share it, you know, chime in on wherever you listen to this show where we've got a thread going. Say, hey, I know this, I've heard that. Let's hear the rumors that you've heard about these mystery drummers on the Alive 2-track. Let's hear your point of view on the Anton question. Do, can you put something into the timeline that you can document about him knowing the band in time to have recorded? I don't think you can, but I love being wrong. That's just uh, how we learn shit, so anything's possible. So that's a whole bunch of topics today. For now, from Mark, from Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds.